Welcome to the Injury Report. I am your host, Joe Brenner. Today is Thursday, December 8th, recording from beautiful and very, very gray Toledo, Ohio. And joining me back after a great 4-2 and two week, including 3-0 and in the NFL, and he's only got NFL left pretty much, we have Ryan Alexander joining us. What's up, Joey? How's it going? It's not as going as well as you are. 4-2 and two last week, 3-0 and in pros, and 34-30-2 and two overall. So good for you, man. <laughs> Like you said, I'm, I'm. Looks like I'm way better at pros than college, huh? It does. Maybe it could probably because the spreads are a little closer. <laughs> I don't know, man. I feel like co- pro is way more unpredictable, but maybe this year you must have the sauce or something. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Hopefully, we can keep it going into this week with all six of these predictions being NFL games. All right. Well, to start us off, I just wanted to say I'm sorry about your Buckeyes. We haven't been able to speak since then. They've sque- Sorry about them, Joey. We in the playoffs, boy. Yeah, they squeaked in, and now they have to face the best team of the last decade. No, Georgia's got to face the last, best team of the decade. Yeah, bro. okay. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm a Buckeyes fan. Would you expect a different answer than that? I would. Well, I just, I, just, I knew you were stupid. I didn't know you were insane. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. It's good. I mean, if we're gonna be honest. Uh, I think when I saw it last, it was Georgia minus eight and a half. Oh, if I had to bet on that right now, it'd be hard to take Ohio State. I agree. But I guess we'll see what the spread is when we get there, and I can make a little, some bowl predictions. Alrighty. Well, to get things, oh, also you're, you have a new quarterback in Cleveland as well. How do you feel about him? He looks great. as a football player <laughs> however you want to answer that question you go ahead and answer it i'm just gonna say no comment on the other stuff <laughs> because uh i mean if that's true obviously he's a uh, piece of crap but um i mean he did look very very rusty against the texans threw some balls in the dirt i didn't know he uh it's like the opposite of what Baker always did. He always sailed it over people's heads if he was missing someone. Deshaun looks like he tries to throw it like low to the ground, which I will definitely take over yeah. um, sailing it over heads. Like, I'm sure you could attest to that as a former QB. But yeah, it's um, definitely I, a better I don't man. know. I think he's just rusty. A game in Houston with. I think 10 of the victims were there. He probably was just all over the place emotionally. But, um, I mean, if we didn't get that win, that would have been very concerning. So I guess we'll see how they do against Cincy this week because we need a big win this week if we want to keep our playoffs, play, playoffs hope alive. I agree, and that's the first game we're going to start with. So obviously we know Joe Burrow has not beat the Browns and he's undefeated against Patrick Mahomes. David Bell left last week and with a hand injury, and he is questionable to return. Taki Taki is on the IR with his knee. Anthony Schwartz is in the concussion protocol still. Uh, Joe Mixon is still on the fence from his concussion protocol, although Perrine has been a beast without him, probably the best running back as far as stats-wise in the past couple weeks. 
Hayden Hurst is doubtful with a calf injury, and then Shadobi Awuzie, their corner, is also on the IR. So you have the Browns plus six in this one. I have the Browns plus six in this one. It's a little bit of being a Browns fan and wanting them to make the playoffs still, and it's a little bit of Joe Mixon being out, and a majority of the games the Browns are losing this year is because they cannot stop the run. But like you said, they're, they're still – it's not like they're – since he's throwing out a scrub out there, so they still got to prepare for him. But um, I'm taking taking the. Br- Are we at home or is this in? Cincinnati? No, this is in Cincy. I'm, it's in Cincy. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm taking the Browns to get. I'm not even going plus six here. I'm taking the Browns to get a big road win this weekend. But. I- I will take the plus six. <laughs> and I think as far as trend lines, we've talked about this before. It's just the Browns and the Bengals. And over the, since Joe Burrow's been starting, we know what happens. It's It's mm. been the same. Until it changes, I agree with sticking with the trend. Heck yeah. And then your next one is you have Philly at New York. Philly, they've looked mortal the last couple weeks. They haven't looked quite as dominant. They do Last week they destroyed the Titans, but... They have their defensive end, Robert Quinn, on the IR with a knee injury. And then the Giants have a Dory Jackson, their corner, still out. And they had a huge tie last week, which just continues. Uh, our buddy Eric sent me a thing that of all the teams, if all of the one-loss or one-score games went the other way, the Giants go to like down to two wins. So I don't know. We discussed how, how much of it is scrappiness and how much of it is luck, but Minus seven's a lot for a Giants team that keeps things pretty close. Yeah, um, I mean, this whole season, every like obviously the beginning of the year, what they start seven and one, six and six and one, seven and one, eight and one, something like that. I'm just like, there is no way this team is legit. I just, I mean, I think it's mostly because Daniel Jones, which I, I'm also one to say he gets like a lot more negativity than I think he deserves but I still don't think he's a great quarterback in the league Um, I think the Eagles are still riding their high I think they're legit Um, I think Adore Jackson being out for the Giants is huge for A.J. Brown or Deshaun um, or not Deshaun Devontae Smith Um, I could see the Eagles winning this by double digits easily and it is funny to see like the Vikings are good this year. The Giants are good this year. The Dolphins are good this year. And all these quarterbacks, like, you just pick whichever one. Like, everybody's like, oh, Zach Wilson sucks. And he's not good, but they got off to a great start, too. And then all of a sudden, you know, Kirk Cousins, everybody hated him for the first five weeks. And now Daniel Jones is just winning football games. And people have the same problem with Jimmy G. So I, it is funny to see who we choose to be like, oh, this guy – is we're winning because of him or we're winning in spite of him, and even if it's not true, because I think the Giants really are relying on Daniel Jones. Yeah, I think I think fans just like just look at those numbers um, of him with all his turnovers since he entered the league. But I mean, he's he's a dual threat quarterback, and that's where the league's shifting to. He, he he's very fast. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> like think kind of kind of not to be cliche, but he's kind of that. Uh, surprise athletic oh yeah athleticism you know what i mean yeah i think he just doesn't have the he just doesn't hesitate either and i think that's half the Mm. battle because he might not be half the athlete a lot of quarterbacks in the nfl are but he just when he sees six yards he's gonna go get it and i think that is a difference between he 
and maybe someone like Tua who's a little bit more hesitant to leave the pocket sometimes. Completely agree. I think I, I know Daniel Jones with all those turnovers is uh, tough to root for, but I mean you gotta like the toughness at least, right? Yeah. He's not he's not scared of getting hit. He's not scared of fighting for an extra yard for a first down. I mean you gotta respect that. Yeah. I agree 100%. And then we have both of them, one that we both were surprised about, Minnesota plus two and a half at Detroit. Dude, I, when I was uh, – um, I told you, I texted you earlier, but I get all my picks from Barstool Sport, uh, Sportsbook, and I was scrolling through them, and I saw the Lions were minus two and a half against the Vikings. I'm like, what? I immediately thought someone was hurt, so I looked it up. I'm like, I mean, all their – like big weapons, big names on paper are playing that I could, I, I didn't see anyone too huge not playing. But um, yeah, I mean, I think the Vikings finally are getting a hold of this NFC, what are they in the North, NFC North division? And yeah. It's not very often you can uh, win that division when Aaron Rodgers is still uh, alive and playing in the NFL. So I think they're going to carry that momentum into Detroit, and they're not going to let um, a very well, – I don't even know how you would describe a, this Lions team. Just like they don't stop fighting. They score a lot of points. Their defense isn't good, that good. But I, 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 I can see the Vikings winning by – at least a touchdown, but yeah, I'll take the Vikings plus two and a half in this one. And they are losing cornerbacks, Caleb Evans and uh, Andrew Booth, but they're getting back Cameron Dantzler and Ty Chandler. So their secondary, they're actually getting some players back there and losing some guys that were covering for them. And then the Lions' only big news on the injury front is they. I don't know if you're familiar with, with the Aquora brothers who both went to Notre Dame, but they're both on the Lions. And uh, Romeo is the bigger and better of the two. They both kind of play edge rusher. And Romeo was hurt. They brought Julian up off of the practice squad. Now Julian's hurt, and they're bringing Romeo back from injury. So you only get one at a time, but they're, they're switching <laughs> okay, in and out. Cool. I did not know that they had both uh, two brothers from Notre Dame. But yeah. that's actually kind of a cool story right there. Yeah. Yeah, I think Julian was on the practice squad for the Rams for a little bit, and then as, as soon as the season was over, the Lions scooped him back up. So they just they just hang out together in Detroit. That's pretty cool, huh? <laughs> hey, that's that's awesome. Yeah, brother goals. And then we move on to so you had actually three in the one a.m. slate or one p.m. I mean, and then three in the four p.m. So our next one is Tampa Bay plus three and a half at San Francisco. So Tristan Wirfs <laughs> is still out for the. Bucks. Mike Edwards missed practice with a hamstring injury, although he's been looking off with Tom Brady. And then Antoine Winfield is still dealing with an ankle. Jimmy G, now it's most likely not a Liz Frank middle of the foot fracture, but it's I've heard conflicting reports that they said he should be back for the playoffs or it's a long shot. So we'll keep our eyes on that one. And then Elijah Mitchell's out again on the IR. He was the highest likely injury like re-injury this year going into it and then Deshaun or Hassan Ridgeway is out their tackle defensive tackle is out six to eight weeks with a pec strain for San Francisco so a lot of beat up guys there and Tom Brady is also 45. <laughs> no I completely agree um I think see the Niners are such a weird team because 
I think Jimmy G is just a he just does what he needs to do to win. I mean, obviously he's not there this week, so I'm just saying like I feel like they have such a good just overall team that they can't beat anyone any given week, no matter the QB, just because their running game and Mike Shanahan's a wizard on the offensive play calling. But um, I think the Bucks are kind of hitting their stride at a good time right now. I know they're in a bad division, so they're going to make, probably make the playoffs with not a great record, but I think they're going to um, – I think their plan is kind of going into the playoffs on a hot streak, and they're 3-1 and one over their last four, and Brady has two game-winning drives. So um, I'm going to – and he's going against – a team I think he really wants to, you know, be the quarterback for currently. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I think he's going to show them what they're missing, and uh, Brady's going to get cover that spread for me. Yeah, and, you know, if he's got the uh, – you saw last week, he can pull it out of a hat pretty much at any moment still. So, I mean, they, were, they looked so bad, so bad, and then down 13, he just did it, you know? That's just how it works. Even against that tough Saints defense who um, I can't even remember their defensive coordinator's name right now, but he's like kind of, or Dennis Allen maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Dennis Allen, uh, he kind of known for giving Brady headaches and stuff, especially over the last couple of years. And Brady still, when you don't think he's going to, he comes right back. So and I'll, I was... uh, I'll ride the 45-year-old for uh, – the Niners game this week and I had um Richard White in fantasy and I was playing against Chris Godwin so that was huge that last holding call where they took away a Godwin touchdown and then two plays later they threw a White touchdown that was huge for me and then (laughs) that was awful did you see the Mike Evans pass interference Interference called against Mike yeah. Evans in the end zone because I have him in like three leagues and I'm like no. Yeah, I know it worked but, out perfectly. I was like watching it like almost asleep and I was like oh nice thanks thanks TB. <laughs> TB's got you. And then Carolina at Seattle. We have Seattle at home minus three and a half. Only three and a half is kind of a wild number for the Panthers. PJ Walker is back. We're gonna probably see him again and. Dante Foreman did not practice with a foot injury, so he's been their offense a lot of the season. Rashad Penny and Kenneth Walker are both questionable, though. Rashad Penny's recovering from his broken left tibia earlier in the year. And then safety Josh Jones is on the IR for the Seahawks with a hamstring. So that really is a confusing line to me as well. This one almost as much as the um, Lions. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I agree. Um, I'm not going to lie. The first, I mean, almost up to last week, I was kind of just like, Seahawks got to be like the Giants. Like, they're just kind of a tough out, but they're never going to win a big game. But I was watching them last week, and I'm just like, Geno Smith actually throws pretty nice balls. He he doesn't turn it over often. DK Metcalf is still putting up great numbers. DK looks like. I mean, I don't know where you want to rank him, but top 10, he looks like a top 10 receiver. Uh, And the Seahawks, just with that running attack with either Kenneth Walker or um, who'd you say? uh, Rashad Penny. I can't think of the other one right now. He's been out for a few weeks. Rashad Penny. Rashad Penny. Yeah, Rashad Penny, yeah. Um, But either one of those running backs, whoever's in, looks 
they're both playing well. So, yeah, and I just don't trust the Panthers whatsoever. So, yeah, I'm pretty confident in this Seahawks minus three and a half at home. As, um, as far as Panthers, as far as Geno goes, I think he actually fits the Seahawks model pretty well that they kind of built with Russell Wilson because mm-hmm. the, the one thing Wilson did all the time was just drop the ball in the bucket to okay receivers like uh, Lockett, you know, just the little bit of separation, he was able to get them the deep ball. And, I mean, watching, remembering Geno in college, he did that very well. If if he had one thing that he did way better, it was the deep ball. I mean, he was fun to play with in, uh, I don't know. Yeah, 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 because of that. So that is, uh, I think he fits that Seattle offense pretty well. And, yeah, he's got – DK now to kind of take some pressure off, and usually they have a solid run game. So I'm with you. I think Seattle is kind of becoming a force out of that NFC West. Yeah. And then lastly, our Sunday night game actually is going to be Miami, and we have them minus three at the Chargers. So it's it's one of the longest travels for any team in the NFL from Miami to L.A., to his ankle should not be an issue this week, even though he left last week. And he will be without his offensive guard, Austin Jackson. And the Chargers are, they have no new injuries, but you know, they're always beat up. So that like Bosa's still waiting on the sidelines and Mike Williams still not fully healthy. So this is also, I don't know if you're familiar with Emmanuel Acho, but he's been touting two appraises and saying that. Herbert is only a social media quarterback, so this is a big-time state. He's turned this into kind of a big-time statement game for both quarterbacks. Yeah, um, I'm not even going to lie. I didn't pick this game because of the Dolphins. I picked this game because I don't like the Chargers. I don't like Herbert, and I will be a certified hater for Herbert until I see him win something because I a million percent agree with uh, um, Emmanuel Ocho. Or that name? Yeah, Acho. I always, I always butcher his last name, Acho. Um, I agree with him. I pretty much because at the beginning of the year, um, a couple of friends were telling me how great he was, and I'm like, okay, he puts up great numbers, yeah, but I never see him get the big wins. I never. He had a couple of chances last year at the end of the year, which I know is only his second year last year, so it's not like you can throw it all on him, but. Yeah, he lost to Jacksonville late in the season, and he lost to the Raiders late in the season. He just needed one of those wins to make it to the playoffs. Um, I, it's hard to like really be negative on him this year, though, with all those injuries, especially on that defense that was supposed to be such a great defense, adding Cleo Mack and J.C. Uh, Jackson. But um, I don't know. I'm, I've been a Chargers hater this year and a Herbert hater, and I will die on a cliff saying I will take Burrow all day over Herbert. And Tua's gonna Tua's gonna get the dub over Little Oregon Boy this week. And I think that that just goes right back to the Daniel Jones thing we were talking about, where that quarterback position is so interesting because it, football is the most team sport probably there is. And yet that quarterback position is very important as far as your success. So, yeah, Justin Herbert might look the part, might have all the pieces and things, but if he's not getting it done where Daniel Jones is, you know, who's happier with their situation right now? I'd still say probably the Chargers don't look like they're going to be moving off him anytime soon because I do think 
he does have all the skills, yeah, but can't move off him. <laughs> yeah, but like you said, you know, you have you give him his roses there. You, you, he is a starting quarterback, a hundred percent in this league. <laughs> but you can't finish third and fourth in the division every year and expect to do anything. So, I mean, the the Chiefs and oh, they might be second in the division. That whole division stinks right now, and he's still not making any moves with it. So, we will I, see. I, I will say one more nice thing about Herbert is he is winning me at least over $200 in bets because all these all these people thought the Chiefs, or not the Chiefs, the Chargers were going to win the division this year and I said, nah, the Chiefs are just because Tyreek Hill's gone doesn't mean shit. Pa- Patrick Mahomes can still get it done with anyone and they all said no and I made about $200 in bets saying the Chiefs will win that division and it looks like Justin Herbert is pulling through for me. <laughs> well then, yeah, there you go. You, you have a monetary reason to... Uh not let or root for his demise and then (laughs) lastly going into this weekend i think it's pretty clear but i just want to see who who would be your heisman finalists if you could choose them yourself and who do you think should be the heisman and then who do you think will win it just based on this so i'll go first just to give you some time to collect your thoughts but caleb williams i think obviously is the front runner to win it this year Pretty solid resume, and if you just watch him play football, he looks like he's moving different. My dad, after we watched Notre Dame-USC together, which was a bummer for me, said just kept talking about how big Caleb Williams looks, and he's really only 6'1". So the fact that he looks so much bigger and more athletic than everybody else at 6'1 is pretty impressive just because of the way he moves and commands things. And then who I would have, I would leave Williams up there, and then none of the other three. I think Corum... Deserves to be there after his season. I think Marvin Harrison's the best player on Ohio State. I don't know why C.J. Stroud. I mean, I do know why C.J. Stroud's there, but really not. And He's then Justin Herbert of college football. Uh, well, he wins. He's <laughs> the he, he puts the numbers up. He's the Kirk Cousins or something. But there you uh, go. There you go. The other guy then I would have. Oh, Hendon Hooker is also left out. So three of those four finalists I would don't think are should be mentioned within the same breath of the greatest player in college football for a year so go ahead and you can go ahead yourself now um I I mean I've been thinking about this for a while especially when I saw who the finalists were I think I mostly agree with you I think Caleb Williams will win it and I think he deserves to win it um this I think it's kind of considered a down year because I feel like at this point we kind of pretty much know who's going to win the Heisman, but I feel like it. I feel like odds got to be on Caleb Williams, but um, so who? So they had uh, Stroud, TCU quarterback, and uh, who else on the Heisman? Stroud, uh, Stetson Bennett. Bennett. Okay, so. I think Williams will win it, and the other three finalists that I would personally put on there is Corum, um, Stroud. I'll keep Stroud on there just because the numbers. I'm not a big fan. I mean, comparing him to other Ohio State quarterbacks who we've had in the last five, six years, he's probably my least favorite. But um, I put him on there just because of his numbers. And then uh, – I'd actually put the Georgia defensive tackle on there as well. See, that was another Williams. I think it's a down year. 
for the Heisman race, and why not just put a defensive tackle on there for the first time? Not for the first time, but give him a chance to win the Heisman as a defensive lineman for the first time. I don't think it is a. I would the Quinton Johnston from TCU, their big number one wide receiver. I think he's. A, I don't think it's a down year. I think it's just a down year for standout quarterbacks, and I think that's where we get the the narrative of it's a down year because they try to drive it too it's just the best player on the best team and I, like i don't think i mean the last couple of years it's been um we all knew it was going to be young last year and then we all knew it was going to be Devonte smith the year before we and then i can't remember if it was joe burrow that year but every year we kind of know it's been a while since we really had one like where christian mccaffrey got screwed but right Right. I mean, I, th- I think it's just because we're going so heavily quarterback or running, but, you know, we need to open it up a little bit because I agree that the Williams kid from Georgia might be the best player in college football. And if you, that is what the award is supposed to go to. I fully agree with you. Fully agree with you. I guess we'll see. I don't even know when they announce that, but. I guess we will see. I guess this and weekend. I think you and I will both be right that Caleb Williams will win that, and then I guess we can see if he can do it back to back next year. Yeah, I, yeah, and, I'm, and it, that's the curse, right? You get it early that's on, the and then, curse. and then the other last thing was, I think that they should bring the eye test more into it. Like, I mean, obviously, it's. I just think they rely too much on stats, and it feels kind of like that BCS power rankings they do like a little bit of what's the storyline we want to go with and a little bit of who has the stats to back it up but like the Williams kid might not have crazy stats but if you watch him out there he manipulate he's kind of like Micah Parsons who does have crazy numbers too but the little things here and there that they do just to influence the game on defense it's hard to do that in such a team sport I was just going to say, when the opposite team has to game plan just for one player on the defense all week and how to eliminate that that eliminate that eliminate player from uh, affecting their offense, that's a pretty big deal. And I agree with you. He might not have, stat-wise on paper, it might not look like he deserves to be a Heisman finalist, but if you just watch that kid. He is insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, and he's just, yeah, big, powerful, scary, scary to think that there's a – human that big and strong and fast walking around with us because I would be helpless in that situation. CJ Stroud's gonna oh, CJ Stroud's gonna cry in that pocket. <laughs> yeah, well he might have to actually leave the pocket. Maybe it'll be good for him. No, it's nothing's gonna be good about that defensive line, CJ Stroud. He he's scared he's scared of his own shadow. Alright, Ryan, well <laughs> thanks for taking the time and uh we'll talk to you again here next week hopefully. All right, man. Sounds good. Let's have a six and zero week. Let's do it. There are quite a few teams on by this week, so that will Ryan and I actually covered most of the games: the Falcons, Bears, Packers, Colts, Saints, and Washington are all on by. And big news out of that bunch is that. The Commanders should have Chase Young back when they get back from their break. Thursday night we did not talk about. This evening will be Darren Waller, who is out with a hamstring. He thinks he'll be back for the Patriots game in a few weeks. 
Josh Jacobs has been battling through his quad injury, and this is just one of those things that you can see. Um, normally a team that starts off as poorly as they had to their record would not be so resilient, but I think part of it is their division is not good, which is a surprise, as we've talked about in that AFC West. And Josh Jacobs is having a contract year, so they did not extend him as is pretty typical for rookie running backs. You know, after they get to that fourth year, it's usually just push off trying to pay them for as long as possible. And they did not do that. So he is in a contract year, and he is making the most of it. For the Rams, Baker could start tonight, despite only a few days on a new team. And Wolford is questionable, and Stafford is out. So... Those uh, that we could be seeing Baker again in prime time tonight in his second color of blue in one year. Cleveland and Cincinnati, we talked about, we did not talk about Houston at Dallas. Houston is getting defensive players, defensive end Troy Hairston and safety Grayland Arnold. I think that's a cool name, Grayland, back from the IR. Tyron Smith for the Cowboys will return this week, and this is a good game, I think, to ease him back in. You know, Troy Hairston, while he's coming back for Houston, they don't really have anybody on the edge that can give him too much of a worry physically, I'm sure. And then cornerback Anthony Brown tore his Achilles. So that, you know, defense is the key for Dallas's success. And they have Diggs on the other side, and he does make a lot of big plays, but he lets a lot of big plays up, so... That is an interesting thing to see if, you know, those corners are pretty hard to come by some good ones. It'll be interesting to see if they can anchor their defense without Mr. Brown. The Eagles are, we already talked about, yeah, we talked about a lot of these. The Jets and Buffalo, in Buffalo. So the Buffalo is, just got their first conference win last week against the Patriots. This week, the Jets have Cedric Ogabui, their tackle. He's on the IR with a groin. Michael Carter is questionable with an ankle, which would leave James Robinson in the backfield for the primary touch. Corey Davis is sick, but he should be able to play this week. And defensive tackle Jordan Phillips is out with a shoulder injury. So quite a few concerning things for the Jets, mostly offensive, but their defense is their key. So if Mike White can hold things together and maybe pull out another miracle, they can really put themselves in good spot to make the playoffs. Von Miller is out with an ACL. So that was one of my things on Thanksgiving. I walked out right as he was doing it out into our garage. And I was like, oh, that's a textbook ACL. And then later it came out that it wasn't an ACL. It was an MCL and that he was going to be able to play. And now it's for certainly an ACL because he just had surgery on it. So if you need a pretty good indicator of what happens for an ACL, you can, like a pretty sure ACL tear, you can go watch his injury on Thanksgiving of this year. And you can see his foot kind of get caught. And also, you know, the knee twists, his foot twists kind of out and forward, kind of the lower leg goes laterally rotates and then is pushed forward and that's kind of the ACL destroyer right there so that's a pretty pretty textbook example linebacker Matt Milano did not practice with a knee issue as well and wide receiver Jamison Crowder said he could come back 
in late December to add to the Buffalo offense. So this is a good matchup. It's always fun for a top-ranked defense and a top-ranked offense. The Jets got the better of them early in the year, but now we're back in Buffalo. We'll see what happens. Jacksonville, who pretty much lost their any shot at the playoffs last week, is at Tennessee. Technically, if Tennessee loses once more and Jacksonville wins out because they still have Tennessee twice, they are not totally eliminated from playoff contention. But, you know, I'm giving up on this year. Trevor Lawrence got rolled up on, and it started off as we thought his knee was done, and then his ankle, and now he's just saying that his left big toe is pretty sore, but it's been improving. He's kind of built like a Tom Brady built himself later. He's long and limber, so I think hopefully, knock on wood, I don't have any wood, I'll do that in a moment, he's not as prone to injury because he's not as stiff. You know, that mobility work, he's not a, he's a big dude, but he's not overly muscular or thick. He's very pliable, and I think that'll benefit him in the long run, and hopefully there is a long run with him. Safety Andre Sisco is day-to-day with a shoulder injury, and he's a good athlete that's nice to have around uh, in the secondary. For Tennessee, cornerback Elijah Molden is out. He's on the IR with a groin injury, and then nothing new for them, and they will probably get Traylon Burks back after he was on the concussion protocol last week after a big hit. Baltimore heads to Pittsburgh for the AFC North divisional matchup Lamar Jackson is out he had been dealing with a quad injury and now it's a knee injury it's good move probably because the Steelers play tough so I don't know for how long he'll be out or they didn't specify what his knee injury was but if he's going to miss a game that Steelers defense is not very forgiving especially with as physical and as many hits as Lamar typically takes linebacker Patrick Queen bruised his thigh against the Broncos and he did return, or he will most likely return this week. And then wide receiver Tylen Wallace is on the IR with a hamstring. And J.K. Dobbins will not play this week and remain on the IR. So pretty typical for the Ravens the last couple of years. They've been pretty beat up. And then something that they talked about on, pardon my take, kind of interesting, is Pittsburgh is the lightest team in the NFL weight-wise. And that could just be because they don't have – their backups, you know, you get a 53-man roster to construct it however you'd like, but their theirs is the lightest is pretty much what it comes down to. That doesn't mean their offensive line or defensive line is lighter than normal, or they they just might have lots of more receivers than offensive linemen. Deontay Johnson is going to be limited with a hip injury, and Najee Harris is battling his oblique damage. So, no huge out injuries for Pittsburgh, but those are some guys to keep an eye on, especially as we finish this fantasy season. For Kansas City and Denver, the Chiefs could get Nicole Hardman back, which would most likely put MVS kind of back off of his positioning, and Kadarius Toney is practicing again as well. So MVS might be get less targets this week. Patrick Mahomes said he hurt his foot on the last play of their loss last week to the Bengals, but he is okay. You know, everything hurts a little bit more in a loss. Wide receiver Cortland Sutton is doubtful for Denver with a hamstring injury, and he joins K.J. Hamler, who is has been out with a hamstring injury. 
And Randy Gregory said he needs more time on that defensive end or defensive line, the end of the defensive line for the Broncos. And then our Monday night game is our last game that we have to discuss here. We have New England and Arizona. New England has nothing new. And Arizona has Rondell Moore, who did not practice Wednesday with a groin injury. And this is a big game for the Patriots and the Cardinals. Cardinals are trying to maintain that they're, you know, stay out of the basement. I don't think they'll have to worry about the basement per se this year because the Rams are so bad. But Cliff Kingsbury is trying to hold on to his job as well. And a win over Bill Belichick will go a long way. And the Patriots need it to they're a game out of the AFC wild card right now at six and six and they're trying to keep up with the rest of their division to all make the playoffs make it a total sweep of the there could be a sweep of the AFC and NFC East you know we talked about the AFC and NFC West kind of going into this year but on the other side that's what we are getting at so injured the Heisman we talked about it a little bit with Ryan and I just think we we should go back and talk a little bit about what injuries mean for sports. I mean, it's crazy that had Hendon Hooker, theoretically, Tennessee wins against South Carolina, USC, when he is available. Theoretically, he continues his trajectory. Theoretically, he is the Heisman, should he not get injured. Blake Corum, so Hendon goes down, they lose another game. Blake Corum, he's the leading guy in a... Big time win. Supposedly they still win. You know, I know Edwards had a huge game for Michigan in his and Quorum's absence. But those are two guys that were probably both front runners pretty late in the season and went down with injuries. So again, we don't root for them, but they do definitely alternate or alter a season. Whether that is a big name goes down in the playoffs or before. I mean, the Bucks right last year, you know, they got injury plagued, and I think they were the best team in basketball. And then all of a sudden, the Celtics are able to squeak their way out of the East. And James Harden was beat up last year, and the Heat were able to get by them, the Sixers. So in every season, you know, it's hard to say, well, they didn't have this guy healthy, and they didn't have this guy healthy. But that's the way sports go. And the Heisman this year will be decided partially by health because as I just said my two front runners for it at least a month ago have both since been incapacitated recovered the transfer portal because there are 3,000 football players in it as of the time that the the window opened where you could start contacting 3,000 athletes were in the transfer portal that is a crazy number and not all of those guys will get picked up. I think last year it was something below 70% of people that went into the transfer portal found a new home. And I mean, if those numbers stay, then there'll be hundreds of players that do not. And whether they're going from D3 to D1 or vice versa or going next door to their rival, it is, it'll be interesting to see how things shake out. I think at the beginning, I thought that the smaller schools would benefit from this a little bit because big schools like Alabama would not be able to hold on to every player. So 
if I have the Alabama can get the best running back or maybe two of the top five running backs of every class every year. And then if you just have one stellar year at Alabama, you could go to the pros. Ohio State has been shown to do that with wide receivers. You only need one year on the big stage, and now that they have this pipeline going, like Jackson Smith and Jigba didn't even play really this year, and he's probably going to be a first-round pick. So you just need some time in front of – and he wasn't even the man at all last year. He was he was for one game in the Rose Bowl, and that was it. So those guys that sit behind them, I guess, won't be able to sit there. But at the same time, all of a sudden, the – big schools are able to bring people in too. Like USC just got reloaded real quick. And I I am curious to see, I don't think it'll ever really truly level a playing field because now guys can bounce around so easily that they're just going to go where they, you know, if I have an okay year at Purdue and I don't think things are going to go my way, I'll go maybe to the Mountain West Conference and try to have a stellar year. And then I've already had some experience at Purdue, so people know I can play at that level. And then I kick butt a year older, a year wiser at Boise State. Then I can go to the SEC and try and grab Tennessee jobs. So there are lots of ways to see that, and it, it is confusing. It's just confusing. I probably confused you talking about it. It's confusing. And then injured U.S. soccer, not only did they lose to Netherlands, they got destroyed. They were simply outclassed the netherlands looked they just moved faster with the ball without the ball they had not necessarily they did have some players who were very fast but i don't think they were necessarily better athletes it's just they were just better at soccer it was very clear and then if you watched brazil play south korea that looked like almost a different sport than what most other teams are countries are playing so that is really interesting to see. Something I was talking about with some people are maybe what does the MLS, do they ever be able to compete with Europe? And maybe not, but also if not just making a U.S. league, but if you can pull talent from South America too, those are some of the best players in the world. We have Argentina and Brazil are getting, you know, those are going to be two of the favorites to finish this thing out. And if you can just keep those players on this side of the pond, say, hey, come play in L.A., come play in Portland, come play in Miami instead of having to go across the pond, I think that could go a long way and would be a good business model for the MLS if they want to try to increase their competitiveness with like the Europe League, what's the Champions League or something like that. So... We'll see how that goes. And then the U.S. soccer team also lost money because in their contract negotiations with the women's team, they split everything. So I guess there was some sort of prize money, I guess, for making it out of the first round, and they do not get to see those bonuses. Recovered the Lakers. They're starting off. Uh, I think they flipped things almost all the way around where they started off 2-10, and 10, and now they've gone 9-2 and two over their last 11. So they're starting to turn things back around. Anthony Davis is been playing like the Anthony Davis we remember and LeBron is LeBron so interesting to see that kind of work out but I mean they have all the talent just not the pieces but maybe they're trying to they're starting to make that square peg and fit into the round hole injured UTSA backups because quarterback Frank Harris 
is coming back for his seventh season. I just thought that was funny. He does lead them in every statistical category, and there's a reason why. It's because he's coming back for his seventh season. Nobody will ever touch a single UTSA quarterback record again. Recovered rowing because P.J. Flex signed on at Minnesota through 2029, so that boat will still be rowing. They, I guess, are more competitive with him. I don't. They don't really... They're more talked about, but they don't haven't really done anything. I guess that's a good sign for them. I don't think it's... I mean, they can get out of it at any time, I'm sure. But as you can see down in A&M, it is not always the easiest to come up with the money to get that buyout in that contract. Injured, the Red Wings forward. This is hockey now. Tyler Bertuzzi is out six weeks with a left-hand injury. And... That doesn't look great for hockey because football players are usually four to five weeks with hand injuries. So that is a little suspect there for our ice fairies. And then recovered James Harden uh, is back from his right foot tendon strain, but went four for 19 in a double overtime loss. They said they played him more minutes than they wanted to because of the overtime scenario. So his foot is recovered, but it seems like he needs to fix his shooting motion or eyes or something along those lines. All right, that'll wrap things up for this week. And we will see you next week with hopefully nothing major, but something interesting.